Hello, all. Welcome to episode 44, double four of Stock Talk with Josh and Nico. Nico, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm having a lot better time in Florida than I am in Indiana, so I'm happy. You know, the weather out here hasn't been that bad. The weather? Yeah, it hasn't been yeah, that bad. I saw it. It's been like in the 40s. That's not that bad for January, to be honest. I know. I know, right? I think now it's just raining now, but it's been it's like not, It's not as good as 75 and sunny, though. Yeah, but you can save a little bit more money, though. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, but we are doing this on Zoom. Well, not Zoom, but Google Meet. <laughs> rather, you just say. But uh, we do have a guest today, Nico. And Nico, would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, our guest today is Zane. Um, it's me and Zane have known each other for a couple of years, but we have not talked in a very long time. So I'm very excited to have him on the show today, and I know he's a very smart guy, so he's going to have lots of interesting opinions. And with that being said, let's get into our first topic. Welcome to Zane. Nico, Josh, thanks for having me. And Thanks for coming by, stopping by. <laughs> I apologize, I can't be in the studio. I mean, apparently I'm in Boston. Yeah, just the weather has been just insane. Right now it's uh, 30 degrees and it's raining, not even snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to go and to Boston in the summer, something like that. Yeah, I mean, Boston's like one of those places where there's only two seasons throughout the entire year, summer and winter. But recently, like recently it's just been insane because we don't even have – we're not even experiencing winter. Maybe because that's due to global warming or maybe <laughs> that's just due to like the shift in the northeast weather. I don't really know. I don't have an answer for that. Real quick, I, I'm not sure if Nico wants to bring in me up, but before we started uh, recording, mm-hmm. he said something about a startup. So. Oh, Maybe yeah. We'll let the people know a little bit more about your startup and what exactly do you do like on a daily basis? Yeah. So I before we uh, started talking about this and going live, uh, Nico and I were just catching up. And uh, one of the things I've been up to in the past uh, couple months is uh, back in 2017, I had an idea for a drone delivery startup. And uh, basically, my mindset was combining existing and emerging technologies together to create something new and innovative into the market. So, you know, for the past five years, I'd say there hasn't been any real progress going on in in the drone delivery um, uh, industry. So but recently I saw an article. This was back in, uh, I want to say, September, where there was progress being made specifically with Amazon's Prime Air, as well as the development of drones being able to carry heavy weights. Mm -hmm. So I was like, wow, this is probably the time to to get back onto that. but my my way of postponing it, you know, I kept myself busy. I haven't been just doing anything. I was doing an extra years of my bachelor's degree, doing master's degrees, um, learning as much as I possibly can, getting ready for the market for when it's ready for the idea. And here mm-hmm. I am today, now finally moving into the stages of of starting that that mm-hmm. idea. So that idea is uh, is essentially yeah, it's drone delivery, but it would be a peer to peer system. It wouldn't be like how Amazon is is automating uh, their their carriers such as USPS, FedEx, etc. Um, wow. So, you know, this would be something like uh, you and uh, Nico and Josh, you guys can can use this uh, platform similarly to how Uber is used um, between driver and customer. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, so say like maybe, if, uh, I don't know, like not eBay, like say I have like a package of shoes or anything I want to send to somebody. I would kind of use like what, your startup like that? Something like that, yes. Okay. Yes. So right now we are actually in the seed stage. Um, ideally, right now we have just passed the the FFF uh, part of the funding, which is uh, 
friends, uh, family, and fools. <laughs> yeah. uh, there have <laughs> been a few fools that have that have uh, contacted me to get some equity, but I'm actually staying away from that because you know if, if someone's giving me money, they're gonna want something in return, and uh, you know I don't want the wrong people in in my list. Um, you know, a big thing that me and Nico really connected with when we first met was talking about uh, the stock market, which is something I've been heavily involved in the past two and a half to three years. Um, so, you know, that return that is coming from my my return from there is going also into the, the, the startup idea as well. Hmm. But, you know, I don't want to put everything that I have into the idea. I want to look for series ABC funding and then going to an angel, going to a VC eventually. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, looking for the best place of where I should base it, um, you know, who the connections are in the industry that can give it. Um, you know, okay, I, have, I have a question. Do you know why? Like, because I remember years ago we talked about before that DoorDash was getting into this drone delivery business, too. Do you know why we haven't seen much pro like progress with with the whole drone thing in the last couple of years? Yeah. So. That's actually what the article I read about in uh, September was. Mm -hmm. So a big problem with drone delivery, one, it's mandated by the FAA. Mm -hmm. And the FAA basically says you can only fly drones off a certain altitude. Uh, you can't fly it over where there's a lot of people because let's say the drone comes crashing down, the likeliness of it hitting yeah. someone goes up exponentially. Um, and simply the technology of how heavy a drone can carry, like the weight of something that the drone can carry is, I think it was like five to 10 pounds back in 2017. Um, you know, it's getting better and better and better, you know, as propellers are getting more sustainable, as uh, they're able to collect more air resistance and stay up in the air without dropping. Um, that's a big thing. And being able to navigate not harsh weather, when it's harsh weather, the drone simply would not be flyable, mm -hmm. but uh, weather that has some sort of turbulence. Okay, I see. So, you know, as the technology gets better, the idea becomes more and more feasible. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But it's nice because, um, you know, right now DoorDash solely operates with a driver of a car. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cars, especially in high populated areas like Los Angeles and Boston, there's going to be traffic, which means to, let's say you order like, I don't know, breakfast or dinner, and then you wait like an hour and sometimes two hours when it's bad weather. Mm -hmm. Drone delivery, you can get it in within 30 minutes or less, depending yeah. on. Yeah, and the other possible. the other thing was, I remember reading about um, Kathy Wood and Ark Invest, and they were talking about the profitability that it would add to companies like DoorDash when they integrate that the drones into their business. Because I think it's like, I forgot how much it, they were comparing it to cars. I want to say it was like 10% of the cost when you use a drone versus when you when you drive the the package to somebody's house so that was super interesting too yeah yeah i mean like i said it's um still in the development phases if if the technology was adverse mm -hmm. um we'd be seeing a lot of competition across the board but what makes my idea more appealable to it's my niche is um a whole sustainability component um just hmm. some things i can't disclose on this channel right now um but there are some tidbits you need to be aware of, especially with the emergence technologies of right now and what people are going to be needing in the next few years and, and even after that. Hmm. So, Why is it like, does it, have, does it have something to do with renewable energy? <laughs> something like that, yes. Um, okay. but actually more focused on uh, plastic revolution um, oh, and reducing okay. the microplastics in the area. It, um, 
embarks on reducing some of our current problems with that hmm. um, to create new parts and you know something that, things that can be utilized into into. Well, that's 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 awesome. That's great. I mean that that'll help with your ESG score. You know that'll really <laughs> help with with uh, make your company look better. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, in the next year or so, um, I plan to keep on working on the startup in the back. And then when I think that it's finally able to launch, ideally my target is to soft launch in the first quarter of 2024. So a year from now. Hey, um, but uh, in the meantime, I will actually do want to study a little bit more about ESG and more of a consulting background because, you know, this is what's going to be needed going into mm -hmm. a market like that in 2024 and maybe even 2025. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, you know, what's interesting is um, last week I saw that the guy from Shark Tank is looking for new people to come on the show. So you have that and you have that as an option, too. For now, I'm focusing on smaller accelerators. Um, there are there is an accelerator through my institution. Mm Hence -hmm. um, why I actually joined my master's institution. Mm -hmm. uh, but this year, the theme for that uh, competition is actually uh, something that's completely unrelated to my idea. So mm -hmm. now I'm actually going to be doing a competition or rather an accelerator through maybe Y Combinator or another oh. national competition. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So um, this is your first startup, right? Yes, but I've had the idea for a while. But, you know, I see myself going from idea to idea to idea. I've always seen myself as a guy that likes to solve problems to make life easier for everyone. So, you know, it doesn't have to just be one idea. It's turning multiple, but it's good experience. Yeah. Nonetheless. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll talk about like a little bit of advice for like you would give someone who's like first starting up a startup. What would you give? What or what would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I like to say is time flies when you're having fun. Anyone that works the nine to five, a lot of people they hate their jobs, they quit. Unless you really love your job and you really like working for someone and you know being around someone else's schedule, good for you. I'm happy for you, but me, that's never been me. So following my 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 own dreams, my own heart, and um, you know there was some influence from my my father as well. He was an entrepreneur back in the day. Now he's retired. Um, he's actually a big options trader now, but, hmm. um, you know, just following your instincts, following your heart is a big thing. I know that sounds very, very cliche, but again, if you really want to enjoy what you do and you don't want to be like, Oh, when is this going to get over? How, why is this meeting so boring? Then, you know, you need, you need to do something where you can be behind the wheel driving the car or where you're going. Now, what, what industry was your dad's business in? Uh, he was actually in a few, uh, industries. He was a, it was a serial entrepreneur. So uh, his first business from when I can remember when I was very young is a lot of computers, a lot of electronics. And then he shifted into the pharmaceutical industry. Hmm. Um, and then that was actually his last business when he sold it and then uh, retired or went into options trading and private equity. From there. <laughs> I see. Well, that's yeah. cool. That's interesting. All right. Well, I am I'm ready to get into the talk about artificial intelligence because there's so much to talk yeah. about with that. So let's Definitely. get started with that. Um, I would say the biggest news recently that's taking over everything is OpenAI and ChatGBT, especially because Microsoft just invested $10 billion. I believe they put the valuation at $30 billion for that company. Um, the controversial thing with it, though, is, is the fact that that company is losing billions of dollars on the bottom line, I'm pretty sure. So that's where Microsoft has a lot of work to do to turn that business around and get it into some applications so that it's profitable. Yep. So what's your yeah, guys' thoughts? I, I think, you know, um, even with Facebook, them going to the Meta stuff, 
like with Microsoft, I think now they, I think a lot of those companies are going to try to take, well, they are going to take some losses, but for the future, you know, yeah. sometimes you got to take the, take that stuff on the chin just to start building on for the next 10, 15, 20 years. But I, yeah. I, I think it'll be all right. Microsoft has, is going to always be here when we die, our yeah. children die, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, so I, th I think it's going to I think it's going to pose a big, um, what's I don't know what the right word is, but Google's going to have to to put in some work and catch up or come up with some sort of way to compete with Microsoft now that they have that technology. I will say that with um, the whole rise of artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence has always been that thing that's been lurking in the background. Yeah. And has just tons and tons of potential. But now that you see these blue chip companies, these, these tech giants. Yeah, right. This is the year for it. Microsoft, Google, even Apple is um, is trying to get into it. Um, you know, there's a lot more progress that can be made because a lot more money is actually going to be going into the development and the research of this and the utilization. And a big yeah. thing that these guys have that other these small companies don't have is their niche and their the amount of people they can market to to try yeah. and improve their technology. Yeah, um, I now, think that. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that. Um, with artificial intelligence, you know, when it first came out, a lot of the people that the developers, their incentive for creating this was for small things like ask the, ask the chat GPT to create you a nutrition plan, um, <laughs> ask them to create you a schedule, ask them for, tell you a joke, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, you're right. It's the same thing with the internet. It started off slow and then it just takes off to what it is now. Yeah. I see it rather like in mathematics, we, invented calculators because we we hate uh we hate doing things mental math we hate doing things by paper um it's a tool to enable us to do more and more and more at, at more complex levels but if you use the calculator the right way you could really do some crazy stuff that mm -hmm. can be exactly applied to the development of ai instead of asking mm -hmm. it to create you a nutrition plan or or you know recommendations for restaurants you can ask the thing to make you a whole business plan. And I actually did play yeah. around with that for, for my own startup. Mm -hmm. And it, it really, it rewrote my 30 page plan into <laughs> a really clear 15 pages. Yeah. That was beautifully written. Yeah. So that actually scared me a bit. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I definitely messed around with it a lot. I spent a lot of time like at just asking it random questions. Um, there was a couple things that I caught it was not right on. There was a couple things that it was off. Um, so there is that part. Um, and then I was listening to a podcast where they were trying to compare it because when this news came out, I remember I, I saw it and it said, oh, uh, this is going to be a threat to Google search now because people don't need Google search. They're just going to ask the AI instead of looking through a bunch of search results. They're just going to get one answer. Um, but the problem with that is that one answer that it gives you, if it's not 100% accurate, then that's going to cause some problems at some point. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out, you know, what it's going to look like five years from now and how accurate is the answer actually going to be. Definitely, I agree. Um, what I was actually thinking about before uh, this meeting was that um, I was thinking exactly that. A lot of the things like when you type into Google, let's say you want an answer for something, Google will only spit out if there is like an article about that, someone yeah. else is writing about that. Um, you know, some, a lot of the times you will actually not get the answer you're looking for through Google. That has happened to me many, 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 many times. Mm -hmm. 
But the artificial intelligence, it's really about knowing how to ask it the right question. And that's yeah. how I feel like a lot the way of people, you word it, yeah. A lot of people are not going to do that. So there is a little bit of a learning curve. Mm -hmm. um, but if you really do know how to leverage this tool, then you could really do some crazy things. Mm -hmm. now, but that being said, you know, sometimes there it is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I, again, it's an emerging technology. It's not fully developed, mm -hmm. but give it two, three, maybe even five years from now. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be something that we're going to be heavily, heavily, heavily reliant on. Yeah, I think so too. Um, what was the other thing I was using it to, uh, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come out with a second podcast right now. And so I was asking it for a bunch of different ideas for what to name the podcast. Uh, the other thing I saw was that I don't know anything about coding, but I, I'm pretty sure it said it can code things too. Right. Yeah. So, um, I actually saw an article, which, um, and I actually, I wish I knew about chat GPT last semester when I was taking an SQL class that was. It was a nightmare for me because I, I personally am horrible at code like you. Mm -hmm. um, but I saw an article where someone was able to ask the AI to make it a trading bot. Uh, oh, yeah. A trading bot is basically an algorithm where you set up your account and integrate it to trade a stock when it gets low enough to short it. Uh, when this happens, if then statements, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to cover, to sell, to buy, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there is a derivative form for options like puts and calls, but um, this guy was able to ask the AI very simply one or two sentences. He probably asked him and the AI bot gave him a algorithm to trade. And he ended up getting like 1300%. Wow. From one. So just imagine you put in a hundred dollars at, at 930 when the market opens and you know, you let the bot do everything you go about your day. I don't know. Uh, you, you, you go to the bar, have a nice margarita for the entire day. And then you come back, you open your laptop at, at 4 p.m. when the market closes. $100 is then turned to $1,300. So just yeah. imagine oh. imagine just what kind of potential that, that, could, that could create. And yeah. also what that could also mean for the economy in the long term. Mm -hmm. That's also what's scary. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, while we're also talking about Microsoft, um, with this news as well, if you if you all didn't see, um, they also fired eleven thousand employees. So, oh, yeah. is that like a thing for the you know you know how to talk is? Oh, they're going to replace the robots. Yeah, with us. How, how how do you all feel about that? Well, too? that could be that could be a part of it, but I think it's more so just because we're going into a recession right now. Because there's that's like the majority of companies out there, like big companies, Goldman Sachs, Facebook, you know, everything out there they're all firing, you know, 10,000 plus employees. So I think that's just the way the economy is looking right now. That's why it's causing that. I think we all saw this many years ago when customer service bots came out. Uh, you know, the big one is like Uber and DoorDash. Um, mm -hmm. Elon Musk actually made a, a really good talk about this, but we should focus less on doing jobs that can be automated. So yeah. for example, yeah, for, Uber, for example, like all those drivers, th that entire option for having drivers is going to cease to exist when automated cars, autonomous cars, they become a mainstream thing because then Uber can just control that entire thing mm -hmm. and, and get more of their own market share for that. Yeah. Less cost for that. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, as we can automate more jobs, there needs to also be jobs created. Yeah managing these artificial intelligence bots and you know prevent them from going out of hand mm -hmm. and you know there are those glitches like you said when the artificial intelligence gives the wrong answer 
someone needs to be there, someone rational and reasonable to to get in there and yeah. fix, that, fix that problem. Yeah, that's true. But, but that's why I will say I think for um for anyone out there who's listening with kids, I don't have any kids though. I'm pretty sure none of us have kids. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying I think the main thing that a lot of parents should be thinking about is putting their child in some sort of um, coding. Like I know I'm trying to learn how to code, but I'm bad at it now. We're all bad co at coding. But I think coding and other things like that nature should be like cyber security. Cybersecurity, like I'm also trying to get into. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, th like those type of skills, like they're more going to be needed more as we go on. Like well, a lot of times we have mechanics, things like that. But I think technicians are probably going to be the most useful type of um, job that we will have. Mm -hmm. Well, see, the one thing about it making mistakes right now, I think since we're such early days in this in the stage, I think that's going to probably get cleared up years down the road. I think three years or five years from now, there's probably not going to be that many mistakes. But what I was thinking about was like in the cases, like if it's not a big, let's say you say, okay, write me a poem. Or if you say, um, I don't know, so you ask it a simple command that's not a, a very important deal. That's not a big deal if it's wrong. Like let's say it's 90% right. That's not a big deal. But if it's for a more serious thing, like let's say you're in a, a courtroom or something and you're using artificial intelligence, well then that, that AI needs to be 100% accurate. So it, you know, it depends what the situation is, but I think over time it'll get more accurate results and then it won't be that big of a problem. It's actually funny. My friend and I were joking about this the other day, but uh, just imagine when the re-election for president of the United States happens. And, okay. you know, at some, we were thinking, what if what if an artificial intelligence bot or like a computer was in charge of the entire company, you know, free of any um, uh, subjective thinking, mm -hmm. you know, free of influence from from the ruling party, of, whether it be Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone just very some something rather very objective just to get things done. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's crazy. It, it's also scary to think about the potential that this thing can do. I know. And a lot of people, I've, I think I've heard Elon Musk and I've heard Kathy Wood talk about this, where they say that when technology takes over jobs, that it's supposed to create at least 1.5 times that number of jobs. So I don't know exactly what that looks like as far as after AI takes away some jobs, what jobs do we have after that? Like, I know we mentioned coding jobs and stuff like that, but I mean, is that going to be the only option or is there going to be new options for jobs out there? Yeah, so... You go first, then you go. So Josh actually mentioned this earlier, but right now we are going into a recession. Mm -hmm. And I like to think about a recession as a transfer of wealth rather than, you know, just a bad economic time for everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, some companies can really, really benefit from this and some markets are also going to suffer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as the demand for these cybersecurity and AI watching jobs increases, there's going to be a, de a decrease in demand for uh, you know, like Uber drivers, um, uh, you know, people that choose jobs that can be automated. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, you know, there are going to be layoffs, especially for human labor um, mm -hmm. and also operational cuts because mm -hmm. uh, companies are also going to be able to, they're not going to be able to borrow as much as they could in a bull market or in, mm -hmm. in a recession free time because, you know, the interest rates are going up like crazy. Yeah. So the leverage they have with the banks is also going down as well. Yeah. Now, going off of the employment thing you're talking about, 
I know that I think the numbers out there look like I want to say they're what are they three I want to say three and a half percent unemployment right now. So it looks like we're pretty low. But I saw it's like what's that? It is going down. And yeah. the dollar is actually going up, believe it or not. The dollar is? The dollar is doing really good right now. Okay. Well, see, I saw this video. But uh, unemployment rate. Well, okay. I saw this video that was breaking down the actual numbers of it. And it said the only reason it's that it's that low is because of the part-time jobs. They're saying that the full-time jobs are actually going down. But since part-time jobs are increasing so much, that's why it looks like unemployment's so low. So that's just another way to look at it. Because, I mean, really, when you go out there, it's not like it, it, it's not like we have some great economy going on right now, even though the unemployment unemployment numbers say that we do. It doesn't really feel that way when you when you go out, you know, into into the world. So, yeah, it's know. kind of weird. It's like since 2020 is like there's a bunch of more remote jobs now. Yeah, I so think like, it is. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, it's, like, like like they say during the day you have one main job. But if you have you can work at home and you can work two jobs, like say if you have two computers, you can work your main full time job on your main computer then you have let's say another computer for a side job or an ipad for a side job so it is kind of it's different now so yeah mm -hmm. it's definitely part of that new normal that covid uh created back in 2020 yeah. so you know, but, that's just how sorry but at the same time we see like not every company but the big companies like tesla like twitter like disney those those big corporations are telling the employees hey you guys have to come back to the office five days a week now because some of those companies are struggling. You know, Twitter's a good example. Disney is a good example of companies that are struggling right now. So those CEOs are saying, okay, we need you guys back in the office because that's probably what's going to help turn those companies around. So I don't know. Remote remote jobs are, are great for the employee, but I don't think it's always the best situation for the business. I think it's arguable. Um, there's employees out there and if, if i was an employee i would actually prefer to go to the office i mm -hmm. find that my own personal productivity goes up mm -hmm. but of course there's going to be people out there that simply work better in the comfort of their own bed yeah so it's, it's gonna always be 50 50 split right or it's hybrid like, yeah hybrid, hybrid is also a good a good way to to deal with that too yeah keep in mind though like so i'll give you an example this was one of my internships in in 2020 um but what we didn't have because it was a remote internship was let's say you're working in a cubicle in a cubicle um, where, you know, everyone's office is very close together. You have those very small interactions throughout the day where it's like, oh, hey, like, I, I don't know how to solve this or, hey, like, I'm having a problem with this. Can you just look at this for two seconds? Or what do you think about this? Yeah. Or even just engagement with the employees and having that whole collaborative culture within yeah. the company like, that kind of lacks when you have remote jobs because everyone's too busy doing their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like another example would be a mother on maternity leave. So, you know, it, it's acceptable for her to work remote to focus on her child, but then her interactions with her coworkers actually goes down significantly because her mind is going to be on what's going on at home. Yeah. So. That's a good point too. And the other thing I've been, I've been discovering lately is how certain industries are much more flexible with remote jobs or hybrid jobs and some aren't so like when i'm looking at finance jobs it looks like that is pretty much in person only and then if i'm going to a marketing job it looks like they're much more flexible with that and i can get a i'm more likely to get a hybrid or remote job with marketing i agree yet disagree at the same time because there are especially in fintech where you can work 
remotely. It just depends on your position, your interaction with the employees, mm-hmm. and uh, you know exactly what kind of projects you're working on as well. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some companies out there like Twitter, there's Disney, you know, et cetera, Tesla. They they want the employees to come in there because that's just how the leadership puts it. Elon Musk, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's there's uh, there's CEOs like Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook that you know allows the employees to work remotely. I know Jack Dorsey before Elon took over, um, he he really appreciated the people working remotely as long as they were comfortable um, and getting the work done. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it it has its time and place. Exactly. Uh, what I, what I want to get into right now is Zane. If you got something to say, go ahead. But I want to get into your experience with stock market investing <laughs> the topic you've been wanting to hear for a while huh <laughs> this is stock talk so i will say this i started i before i started trading i'll give you a little history i actually paper traded on a popular platform called market watch uh sure. market watch is basically it's through yahoo finance mm-hmm. um, but it allows you to compete with friends in a pool and see who gets the highest overall return. And you're allowed just basic stuff uh, investing to teach you. Um, you can short sell, you can cover to buy, buy and sell normally. You can borrow from a bank, etc. So, I paper traded for one year. I started in August 2028, 2018. Sorry, until 2019. So I saw myself making you know extreme returns back then. Tesla was doing amazing. Nvidia was also doing amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I got into the market um, in September of 2019. And you know, originally it was a bit slow. I actually lost um, a couple thousand dollars when I started. Um, it, but over time, as I learned and tried these strategies and stayed focused and you know kept up with the news, there was one day where I woke up where I saw like, like a 300% return. And I was just like, whoa, what did I do? <laughs> but then as I continued to invest, I, I finally figured out like uh, the key is to to really keep up with the news, uh, to keep up in companies that you trust, companies that you see are going to be making significant returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, two examples of this actually are going to be Tesla and Moderna back in the day. Oh, okay. I saw that COVID was um, a huge problem uh, in 2019. I knew it would be an even bigger problem in 2020. Wait, COVID? Uh, COVID. Sorry, 2021. This was 2020. Oh. Uh, So that's when I thought that Moderna would be a great company to invest in. Mm -hmm. Um, You were right. And, you know, Moderna (laughs) is now mainstream. I mean, I have two Moderna uh, injections inside of me. So (laughs) Uh, Moderna Moderna turned out being the way better investment than Pfizer. It did. It did. And that's mainly because they I want to say it's their their trials ended up being more successful, their research. And it's also their marketing as well was also much more ahead of Pfizer at the time. Yeah. Um, and they're a smaller company. Yeah. I mean, Pfizer Pfizer specializes in, in a lot of different things. So Moderna is more focused. Yeah. If right. So if this is like, if you see a focus, something that will be a potential problem in the market eventually, um, and a company that focuses directly on that problem, in this case, mm-hmm. it would be Moderna, that will mm-hmm. be the best investment. Mm-hmm. So that other example I was talking about was actually Tesla. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, you know, going into carbon emissions is going to be a big problem, especially for sustainability. So what was the biggest EV manufacturer back in 2018, 2019? Yep. It was Tesla coming up. So it was today. Exactly. <laughs> now, 
So no, no, it'll be like that 10 years in the future, too. 2025 is coming up. No, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I can get about the future in a bit, but uh, just some more storytelling was uh, I this was back in was it? I think this was and I think this was middle of 2020 end of 2020, 2019. But mm -hmm. uh, Tesla made uh, a stock split where people who invested five years before that, they ended up making like a 20,000 percent return, you know, similarly to how Bitcoin was doing back then as well. Oh. Um, but yeah, you know, speaking of Bitcoin, other great investments that I saw because I saw the price of Bitcoin going up. I knew that NVIDIA and graphic chip manufacturers and, and microtechnologies are also going to go up. So those are all valuable investments that I picked up back in the day. Okay, let's let's go back to when you started investing. I want to know what got you into investing and then what style of investing were you doing? So that means like, were you doing uh, options? Were you doing day trading? Was there something that caught your attention out there that got you interested or how did that play out? Yeah, that's actually um, a nice question. More storytelling, but uh, like I said, I had my, my startup idea back in 2017 mm -hmm. and I always knew that I wasn't just going to be doing startups. I wanted something to do in the background as well, like a side hobby. So that was trading stocks. So the best way to learn um, that is to day trade, not just to invest. I know Warren Buffett would be angry at me to do that, and especially mm -hmm. investing into very volatile uh, companies. But mm -hmm. uh, if you if you do sit behind a computer screen, and there was there was a good four months when I did this. I'd wake up at seven o'clock, you know, have breakfast, get ready for my day, meditate for 20 minutes, and then sit down at the computer actually at nine o'clock, reading up on the news for the first half an hour and literally being at my computer from nine to nine thirty to four o'clock when the market closed. And, um, you know, I would always have CNBC on the background, Bloomberg, if I was not at my TV, uh, just watching all the trends, the emerging technologies and then, in between trades, I would literally be reading about everything that came up, whether it be on the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, um, Apple News, Wife of Finance, you know, you name it. So very time so, consuming. Yes, but I have my choice because you, it was, it didn't feel like work for me. It was very interesting because I felt like I was keeping up with what was going on in the world. And, um, you know, if you really put in the time with this to day trade from for the entire day trading day, that is the best way to learn, in my opinion. Yeah, you can take courses and investments to learn the basics, but you need to apply what you learn in the textbook into actual real terms. And that's okay. actually how I learned. Let me ask you, what was your um, what was your success like with that? And like, what type of returns could you expect? Because. I, I just have always heard a lot of things about most day traders. Sorry, someone was calling me. I didn't mute my phone. Hey, Bob. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, could you repeat your question? Yeah, just, so my question yeah. is like, what type of success, what type of returns did you have with day trading? And how do you feel about the people who say that the majority of day traders are losing money out there? Yeah, so I will say that I, I – Definitely did not expect to make as much as I did. Um, I want to say there were times where I got lucky, but it was like it was smart luck rather. Like I knew I knew something would happen that would trigger an event in the market to mm -hmm. capitalize on a big bubble that was growing and growing and growing, mm -hmm. and just knowing you know 
I know this is going to sound weird, but like following my instincts of when to sell before the bubble popped. I mean, there were times where I missed out on, I could have maximized my return even more if I had, I wanted, but yeah. um, you know, keeping up uh, with, with, you know, the news again is, is going to be quintessential for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just the returns that, I mean, if you want like numbers, I don't want to disclose my personal numbers, but I, I will say that when I someone, mean, I mean, percent wise, percent wise. Yeah. Percent wise. Exactly. So percent wise, it's very, very optimistic to think that you're going to double your money in, in a year or two years or whatever. Um, you know, the safest way to, when everyone talks about the stock market, they just say, you know, just get SPY, just, just get what's, what's on the S and P 500 benchmark and just go with the slowly returns over 10 or 20 years. I mean, that's what Warren Buffett would say. Yeah. You, know, you can just buy Burke, Burke class A, Burke class B. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, if you are willing to take the risks, you know, without high risk, there can be, there cannot be high reward. So because of that, you know, there was, there was a day where I had, you know, for example, the Tesla day when they did the split where I had a 1300%, you know, sorry, it was like 1700% in one day, which was mind boggling. Yeah. Um, for example, you know, there was, there was crazy, um, gains from Bitcoin as well. I was actually back in crypto. I held a coin for about, uh, I bought it in December, 2000, sorry, August, December, sorry, December, 2018. And I sold it back in, uh, it was in the beginning of 2021 when the coin was still high. Um, but you know, like it, it was just like, when you know, when you know it's time to sell, it's time to sell. Mm-hmm. So, okay. How about crazy percents you can make? Okay, so how about today after you had some years of experience, what would you say is the better way to invest your money into the stock market, short term or long term? So right now, um, this is actually personal uh, opinion. I've actually shifted from a day trade strategy to more of a week trade strategy. Hmm. And what I mean by that is I will still do, um, I want to say average 10 trades a week now. you know, but there are some days where I'll make like three trades, four trades a day. Um, and then there are some days where like, you know, I'll just leave it completely alone to, to not touch it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like how that's, in my opinion, that's most option traders are like that. But, you know, I still stick to, I've always stuck to regular buying and selling. My Actually, my best friend is short selling and cover hmm. and cover to buy. But uh, right now I'm also in a very, very busy time in my life where, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to sit from 9.30 to 4 p.m. and stare yeah. at the screen when there's so yeah. many different things going on. Yeah. So, right. Now, no. where are you at in your schooling, too? Yeah, so I'm uh, just finishing up my Master's of Finance oh, okay. um, in Boston, and uh, I should be done by April. And the plan is to learn a little bit more about uh, ESG and consulting so that I can work on my startup on the back and then when it becomes ready to make that a full-time thing, then I can move, I can pivot from that, uh, you know, working for someone to working for myself. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I think I highly recommend every single person should do this uh, is setting up uh, passive income streams, whether it be through, uh, you know, investing into stocks, whether it be through drop shipping, whether it be through real estate, Airbnb, private equity, et cetera. Um, yeah. You know, because this is what's going to get you to to fund more opportunities in your life. Yeah, very true. Very true. But um, you talked about cryptocurrency. So I kind of want to use this as a segue for our next topic. So it's been about two, three months six to, since the FTX 
fiasco that's been going on. So, um, in your opinion, for this year, for the next 2024, the years that's coming by as well, how do you think the FTX stuff has affected cryptocurrency as a whole? I think the FTX thing, I I like to match it with Terra Luna uh, back in the summer. <laughs> I, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> So, when Terra Luna went to zero, essentially, it's really turned a lot of heads because at that point, uh, the big coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Solanda, uh, you know, all these big coins that are already going, they already popped the bubble there. And then people were like, oh, we should all invest into Terra Luna. And then Luna coin completely gets destroyed. And they're like, huh, you know, this, this, this market can really change overnight. You know, yeah. billions of dollars can go to zero. Um, so that's kind of the thing about FTX and, and, um, uh, and, and SBF as well or who led his uh, investors astray. And that's why he faced all these criminal charges. But I think he was able to get out with the bond pay. Is he going to jail? He, I believe he went on trial and was able to pay his bail through bonds. Oh. Yeah, so the trial's not over yet. He just... No, he's still going, but I believe it was like a quarter million dollar bond that he paid. Um, through some sort of funding. So I think it was like real estate or something. I, I'd actually not read too much about that um, as I've not been keeping up with crypto news recently. Um, personally, I think cryptocurrency right now is something that it's too unpredictable to touch. Um, me, myself, I used to be in it. I used to be a huge advocate, but I'm completely out of that right now. However, I do see potential for it to come back. Mm -hmm. I think that having a digital currency is is definitely a safe alternative for some of the, it's a way to hedge against some of the macroeconomic factors. Mm -hmm. But right now there's one too many regulations from the, the Federal Reserve. There's too many regulations um, on the technology side, the ESG side, um, where you know there's too many different factors that go up and down. There's also a lot of big hyping going on from, you know, like Reddit, uh, like Wall Street bets, uh, Shout out to Wall Street bets. Yeah, a lot of a lot of this meme stuff, you know, that will make like GameStop and ANC like really, really good. Yeah. That is giving this really volatile hype. So well, that needs to clear out first. Yeah, and that's what I think we, I, Josh. I think we talked about that last episode. Was like, for some people, why would you be invest? Why would you want to put your money in some stocks or whatever equities out there that are that? Yes, you can make a little bit more money with them in the long term but in the the near future let's say for the next 12 months it's kind of unpredictable right now so we don't know you know how long is the recession going to last how long is it going to be what companies are going to suffer the most and when you have a super high interest rate we're not super high but higher than normal interest rate like we have right now for example Robinhood is paying four percent interest on the money that you just have sitting in your cash balance in your account so the last couple of days i've actually been selling like some positions that i'm just up you know ten percent or whatever on like i sold out of win resorts this past i was thinking about selling win i was just that's so funny I was just, when i saw win i said i wanted to be selling i'm thinking about selling yeah because it's already it went from fifty dollars to a hundred dollars so i'm like okay you know it, it's it's had an, enough of a run to where i'm comfortable selling out putting it into the cash balance and I'm going to earn 4% interest. They pay you monthly. So, you know, I'm happy with doing that. And I think a lot of other investors are the same. Personally, I, like I said, it's sticking with the technologies and the companies you trust are going to be your biggest gainers right now. Um, actually a company that has caught my eye has been bed, bath and beyond. 
Okay. Uh, you know, they were actually filed for bankruptcy recently. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. Nearly filed for bankruptcy. And then all of a sudden they, they are making talks for an acquisition and you know, the stock oh. goes up, the stock goes up. Like meaning, like, meaning like another company would buy them out. Yes. I, I forgot which company it was, but um, it was, there was some home sell home articles company. I, I, that was, I can picture like target buying them out. Some it's something, it's something like target, but it wasn't target. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like, again, like you need to, you need to look at that. I, I consider Bed Bath and Beyond right now like a meme stock. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, but um, great store. Know, some stuff that I would recommend actually purchasing for this year are going to be um, Micron. Uh, Micron, the okay. chip manufacturer, Nvidia is going to be another big one. Um, yeah, Tesla, chip stocks. Tesla. You know, having your basket of blue chips, um, especially with the AI. Um, you know, actually anything with AI is going to be a big one. Um, in 2023 and then actually in subsequent years. I do mm-hmm. see the return of crypto in 2024, if not in 2023. Um, mm-hmm. It really all depends on, on how this these policies with the, the Federal Reserve can go. Um, yeah. Other companies are going to be some s- smaller companies, like uh, not smaller companies, but like electronic focus, a lot of tech. Um, you know, there's other companies too, like uh, like IP paper manufacturers, smart companies. You know, everyday good companies are going to be good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I can put, I can actually pull up my watch list and I can share even more. And if you guys, if you guys want, I would be happy to. I can publish my watch list, and you can add it to the description of this video. Oh, That's we a good idea. We would love that. <laughs> Okay, but Josh. Yeah, what too? I was saying, um, Taiwan is up big. You see that? Taiwan. Yeah. Up. Yeah. So it's last. Yeah, I would, I would love to own that stock, but I would not buy it anywhere near eighty-five dollars a share. I would not buy it. I, I think it's too. I think it's it's got everything baked into it. I don't think there's much room for it to run in the long term. There is, but in the short term, I think it's 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 priced in. Yeah, I I, I didn't buy it in, in like December ish. Would have been better. Yeah, when it was—I mean, I remember looking at it when it was sixty-five dollars, but every other stock in the market was down huge too. So it was like, you know, you got a hundred plus stocks you could you could get on sale, but it's like, which ones are you going to choose? So, I mean, that's the same reasoning. It's like buying Brick A versus buying Brick B if they have a different class. You know, the, if the return is going to be good and safe, there are ways where you can still purchase that stock. And actually, when I think about this. It actually reminds me of Bitcoin, for example, where you can buy whatever how much money of a Bitcoin you want versus buying the actual coin itself. Yeah. Um, actually, there's there is one thing I actually wanted to talk about was something about cryptocurrency, and that's um, shorting the market in the crypto market. And the reason why you can't actually do that um, is because there's a, you know if you short the market, there needs to be someone on the other side betting against your bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do that. So right now, because that doesn't exist, we can still leverage that in the stock market through the form of ETFs. Yeah, right. Actually, you know what? I just bought one, I think yesterday. This isn't crypto related, but it's a, a ETF type of fund where um, it shorts the Dow. Uh-huh. And because that's the reason the reasoning for that is because if you look at the Dow stocks, especially compared to the NASDAQ stocks, the Dow stocks have had 
like much better years or a much better year than the NASDAQ stocks. Like if you look at McDonald's, if you look at Coca-Cola, what's that? Keep in mind the Dow is also many different industries. It's not just technology, which is what the NASDAQ primarily focuses okay, on. Okay, that's that's a good point. But I think that the I think the Dow has not been hit. I think there's a good chance the Dow stocks will fall. Um, and I think that since the NASDAQ, I understand there are different industries, but normally the, the NASDAQ and the Dow should not be so far apart. Like right now, so the NASDAQ is down like 30% from its highs almost. The Dow is only down like 10%. So I think that range needs to come a little bit closer and then things will balance out. I really think it, again, it depends on, on what's going to happen in the market and you know what, what emerging technologies are going to come out. Mm -hmm. I think that the the hit the Dow, the, sorry, the Nasdaq is taking is actually closely tied to a lot of these big uh, unemployment layoffs and you know their ability to do less R and D um, in the technology sector. You know, like Coca Cola and Pepsi, they don't really need to do much. They just need to keep up That's their niche, and keep up marketing. Um, you know, same with McDonald's, same with uh, like Home Depot, IP, but as you have like these companies like uh, Tesla, like like Twitter, like um uh moderna even and they they need they need uh what's the word for this uh they they need to be able to take out like constant money for r d you know to keep on improving yeah. no one's gonna buy their products the products are gonna go obsolete yeah so it's kind of like a they need like a ceiling kind of but not really ceiling but the opposite of ceiling. they need a catalyst or a cash flow to come in and and push the technology further yeah Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. you know, if they're, if they're, if it's hard to get funding from banks, especially with higher interest rates, um, you know, their their room for opportunity gets slowed down to the point now, where they need to lay off more and more employees. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is, um, so this this past, I think what a little over a week ago, I went back and I bought some more Tesla shares, and um, that's because I think I bought them at 120 bucks a share, and I think that Tesla's stock is going to go back to $300 a share at some point. Unless the they do a split again because they're known to do a I ton know. of splits. I know, <laughs> yeah. But I think the reason that it's starting to – I think Tesla's stock hit because it, it bottomed at like $100, and I think it hit like 140 this week. And I think the main reason it started moving up again is because ever since Tesla dropped the prices of their cars and then all that – I think the news came out that the demand for their cars was surging. I think that was the main – reason the stock has mo been moving up lately so I, I don't know i'm telling you i think tesla i think the demand for tesla's cars are just it's like it's one of a kind i don't really see any competitors having similar numbers as them there's like definitely becoming known as like, like the iphone of, yeah. of, of cars you know yeah so for example i know there are some people that would love to have like love to have a samsung or even a flip phone or a nokia that doesn't break but uh you know there's a lot of branding that's going on with with uh their niche mm -hmm. um that i feel like tesla is going to become that's just why like you know people are not going to prefer like audi making their own electric cars or, or even like a chinese startup like neo is, is you yeah. know making their own cars um but see, that's, that's why i think is the big problem going on with tesla well their competition what if people start want to buy a bmw that's electric it's possible so, I mean, the thing is, is Tesla has created its own reputation for its cars. 
but you know there there, there is going to be eventually like lamborghini is going to make a really high-end luxury electric ev exactly their line you know uh, porsche is going to do that same thing you know all these luxury car brands are going to do that and they're going to have a market appealing to the ultra high network mm-hmm. but tesla however you know you can buy you can buy a tesla i think is what the starting price is like 50 something thousand dollars uh which is like the same price as like a mercedes c-class yeah. uh, but you know like it, it it's completely electric. You have all the the fancy fancy gadgets in your car. You have an iPad where you can watch Netflix and just let your car drive for you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot more R and D that needs to be done. But you know, when Tesla originally came out, a lot of people were so scared at the fact that you know, what if I am driving from from California to to New York and there's no charging stations on the way? Uh, where where the heck am I going to charge my car on the way? But now because that's become mainstream, everyone is flocking towards Tesla, and that's becoming yeah. the new craze. And the other thing is when before Tesla became a like a famous stock out there, because I remember when I was buying Tesla shares originally, the word on the street was like Morgan Stanley would come out and say, "Okay, our price target for Tesla stock is ten dollars. We believe this this company is not going to have positive cash flow. And that was mainly because that they were spending tens of billions of dollars building out these facilities so that, so that they can manufacture or mass manufacture like the Model 3, the Model Y. And that's something that Tesla got over that hurdle. And that's what allowed them to come to this huge stage of profitability where they can make you know billions and billions of dollars of profit. If you go ahead and look at it, we're already starting to see it because since companies like Ford and GM have already started investing all that money into their facilities, that is hurting yes. their cash flow substantially. If you look at their cash flow statements, they're normally making tens of billions of dollars of, of free cash flow, and it's down to like two billion now because all that money is going into the investment. So that's something else that the competitors are going to have to get themselves over. That Tesla's already has all that out of the way. They already have all that stuff built out, and now it's just more and more profitability as we go further into the future. Well, it's not only that, but also with the. Um... I think the car industry as a whole is kind of weird now. Mm-hmm. Like if you bought a twenty car in twenty eighteen, you paid twenty six some odd thousand for it. You can sell that car. Well, how much miles you got for around twenty four thousand dollars now? So well, that's, that's kind of unheard of. Okay, that's what's interesting. I I just saw something that said people are investing in Teslas right now because the prices are. I think if you buy a Model Y, I want to say I think they dropped the price by close to twenty thousand. It's at least. It's at least ten thousand dollars, but I think it's close to twenty thousand dollars. So if you if you get the Tesla right now, you could, there's a good chance that when demand goes back up, that they're going to raise the prices again, and you're going to be able to flip that Tesla for a profit. So yeah, I think a big, big, big thing, uh, especially with the EV market and everyone going there, is the price for a barrel of oil has been going up crazily. I mean, when I was in San Francisco last year, I, I saw some gas stations where it would be six, seven dollars a gallon. Yeah. So just imagine charging your car is probably like, you know, a few percent of like what you would spend in gas in a year. Yeah. So over time, you break even with an electric vehicle, which is why all these people, they're going to Tesla, the most known manufacturer of EV, the safest. Now, battery, you know? The no. interesting thing there, though, is the battery, because the yes, you're saving money on gas. But are you going to be able to is it a smart idea financially when you when you have to replace that battery? And I think it costs thirty thousand dollars to replace the battery. I believe it lasts. I believe the average duration of the the average battery life is about eight years. So yeah. you also got to factor that into the equation there. That and other type of problems that might happen with the car, because you no, know, for some cars, you can go to a mechanic down the street. 
you yeah. know, maybe you need your brakes fixed instead of going to dealership. But with yeah. Tesla's, uh, it's kind of you got to go. Tesla, I think they Tesla sends people to your house though to work. On yeah, the yeah, yeah, you know. But if you are in the middle of the road, that can be a huge problem. What's that? I mean, if you are in the middle of the road, that's going to be a huge problem. You can't yeah, then you're screwed. Tesla you're... roadside assistance, but you know, they are <laughs> yeah. going to have that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where the technology does need to become more mainstream. Yeah. Because yes, it is still being improved. And then when that happens, you know, they're able to manufacture these materials for less. And that becomes, you know, that becomes another incentive for consumers to switch over to this. But, you know, a company that actually specializes in the battery swapping technology and making it more module is NEO, the Chinese, cool. um, the yeah. Chinese uh, uh, EV startup. But basically what, what, is, what is their advantage in the market over Tesla is easily swappable battery uh, plans, like a subscription service rather. Um, where they can easily just do that, not pay $30,000. But, you know, eight years for a Tesla battery is a long time. I think it really comes down to how much is the person driving. So, you yeah. know, if a person is not driving that much um, and there aren't, like, this will happen, I think, uh, by 2035, that uh, you know, carbon emission companies are not allowed to make more cars like that. It has to be all EV. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, if, if you're not driving that much and you're fine spending five, six, seven dollars a gallon for for uh, of gas, then okay, sure, go for that. Let's say you want to drive. Let's say you want to bust out that that uh, that antique car that costs millions and millions of dollars that makes the engine go vroom vroom. Yeah. Then you know, all power to you. It really depends on on your your preferences. Mm -hmm. However, right now because the price of oil is very high. I, I think that EV for now at least is the more cost efficient option. Do you know do you know what a barrel of oil is trading at right now? I think it was about 80, 80, 80, 80, I'd say. It is, let me see here. Because gas has definitely Oh you're right, you're right. It's eighty about eighty eighty one, yeah. 80, 80, 80, okay, so that's not as bad as it was earlier last year. I think it was yeah. like hundred and ten. When when there was a lot of turmoil going on in the Middle East, you know, these factors can really make the, the price of the oil go up like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I think right now with the whole conflict in in, uh, in Eastern Europe, you know, that's that's another. Yeah, it's going to be another one in the next couple of months. Looks, yeah. It looks there's, like there's what? Been, there's been, unfortunately, there's been some, some real, it's getting worse actually now. And a lot of suspicion and uncertainty is surrounding that area right now. Hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, if the price of oil starts to go back down, let's say uh, you know EV makes a huge development and a lot of people are, are going towards uh, the electric alternative, then the price of oil will actually start to go down and the people that have gas-powered cars are actually going to profit off that and yeah. save more money. Which, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of stinks thinking about that, but uh, you know, eventually there's going to be a huge surge in demand for um electricity powered yeah and how you mentioned yeah and how you mentioned like the whole thing with like the regulation the regulators and like this like the state of california saying oh we're banning the sale of of gas vehicles by 2030 and all that that's like really extreme stuff that is gonna put pressure on the industry to go, to go towards that way too mm -hmm. i think i think it's for the best. I mean, I've done quite a few, a bit of research into ESG and sustainability. And, you know, it's something that 
we need to this may sound horrible but we need to stick our necks out together and make change together because if we just say like oh we're gonna introduce this new initiative and you know the progress is gonna be super slow mm -hmm. the market needs to inflate pop and then rebuild that's mm -hmm. kind of like the only the, the best and most quick way we can implement a sustainable green world and if we do that then you know the, the, in the long term, the very long term, 50, 50 years from now, it's really going to pay off. Yeah. But actually, we actually have been doing well recently uh, with sustainability. The ozone layer actually is starting to recover. Um, mm -hmm. Gas emissions, methane gas emissions especially have decreased. So give it five, 10 years, um, 20 years, the ozone will be back to normal and global warming will be a thing of the past, hopefully. That's interesting. So then hopefully, so then hopefully Boston will get some more snow and <laughs> we'll get to get normal seasons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's funny. So yeah. Um, I think uh, just in terms of what's coming out in the next few years, uh, this whole concept of having sustainability, the, this, this possibility of a recession, these emerging technologies, they're all moving in, in, a, in a good way. I feel like maybe right now the market may seem very uncertain and bad, but mm -hmm. you know, the bubble has been growing in the last few years. And right now the Fed is doing everything it can to stop the bubble from inflating. But okay. you know, um, I, I got, I have an interesting question for you. Let me ask you like, okay, you know how sometimes, you know, with certain technologies that come out there on um, whether it's the internet or whether it's like crypto, whatever it is, sometimes those technologies are just like fads right and they have a hype cycle and they get popular just for a certain amount of months maybe a year and then sometimes if we're talking about uh, microsoft and the internet that those technologies go on for decades and they keep evolving and they're here to stay out of the technologies we talked about so far today like evs crypto whatever else ai which ones do you think are here to stay and which ones do you think are just fads so with all these new emerging technologies they all go through what's called a technology adoption cycle yeah you know, they're going to have the first people taking on the new technology trying it out telling their friends telling their friends or friends and slowly by slowly you know you have people that are willing to put in more money and trust into it and the technology develops more and more and more but um uh you know i guess what i think what technologies i think will be here to stay um well sustainability is going to be a big one crypto i think can come back in the future it's supposed to be a hedge against macroeconomic policies and you know this may also sound crazy but uh as we progress into space exploration um and let's say we oh, do space. end up colonizing space. let's say we end up colonizing mars what's going to be the currency for that so you know we need we need these options open um, it's gonna be a gold mine for whoever figures out that space stuff. Yeah, maybe gold we might have we might have like Martian rocks that are mined into into you know like a new substance, a new. I new know, chemical. but you know, there's gonna be all these technologies. I think can be there to stay if they are executed right, and you know there isn't more like FTX meltdowns or Terra Luna crashes, um, and then uncertainty and whatnot. But mm -hmm. you know, like right now, there is just too much uncertainty mainly because of of the recession happening and because of that companies are suffering people are getting laid off the housing market is, is is going all over the place some days it's good some days it's bad um you know so when when this bubble just stops going like right now it's already big and it's just going up and down up and down like this it needs to pop and then yeah. rebuild from there yeah uh, 
And another thing that happened is is just the policies that I don't want to get into too much of politics. I'm actually I, I call myself an independent. I don't care who's in charge. Um, but you know, there's been a lot of spending by by the House and 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 by by the office and the wing, the president. Um, but you know, co- as Congress is passing all these 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 spending bills of trillions and trillions of dollars, um, our debt is just going up and up and up and up. And like, there's no way to reverse that act. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, you, guys, debt, you guys heard uh, about today that the the debt ceiling has been reached for the United States, thirty one point four trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah. I must say, I I like the word ceiling because it it seems like they change the ceiling every time they get to it. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, but you know, if if this ceiling is not, let's say that we we default on on all of our payments, um, what's going to happen is we're going to probably enter not just a recession but a Great Depression. Yeah, even worse. Yeah, even worse. You know, we haven't. We there's some numbers we haven't seen since the World Wars. Um, so I feel like that's why the Fed is doing everything they can to avoid the bubble from popping because the it could be completely catastrophic. 